Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Hey everyone, John Corcoran here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we Talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. A few of our past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth and many more. And before we get into our guests, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you ever had a team member ask you the same questions over and over again, and it's the 10th time you spend explaining it, there's a better way, there's a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so that you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a free 14-day trial. No credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process. Com. All right. So I have with me Tony Del Mercado. Tony is the COO at Hawk Media. Tony, such a pleasure to have you here with us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Hawk Media, Hawk Media and um, some of the, the things that you guys work on right now? Yeah, will do. Thanks for having me. I, um, I'm, I'm excited to share some stuff. Hopefully the listeners get some education and a little bit of commiseration as well along the way. Uh, Hawk Media is positioned as an outsourced uh, CMO and marketing team. Our mission is to make great marketing accessible to everyone. So we provide marketing services. Uh, We do that on an a la carte month to month basis for about 500 clients right now. And that's content production, video, websites, uh, social ads, paid search, content creation, blogs, listicles, lifecycle marketing, Virtually anything that you can think of in the marketing stack is what we do. And my role there as the COO is just to try and keep a lid on most of it uh, pretty much on a day-to-day basis. Okay, great. And you you and your, your business partner had worked together previously, and then you ended up starting this business together. So talk a little bit about the origins, how you ended up founding this business together. Yeah, so the, the short version, the, the simple version rather, is that he and I had worked together on a startup that he had founded and was invested in by a fellow who I ran the nonprofit for. So that guy invested in his company and he had also founded a nonprofit in the 80s and I ran that nonprofit. Um, I decided that life wasn't necessarily for me. I wasn't finding it very rewarding. Uh, I hadn't, prior to that, I had a bunch of other experiences. But then when I had met Eric through that business um, and through that mutual connection, uh, over a period of time, it made sense for me to go over to the for-profit business that he had invested in that Eric was running. And over time, I ended up taking over that business and running that as the COO and turning it around and making some money. Uh, as that business was coming to a close, uh, Eric and I had both consulted on some projects for Science, which is an incubator in Santa Monica. He worked much more closely with that team and launched a, a company called Ellie that ended up selling and growing really quickly and doing a great job. And at the same time, uh, Dollar Shave Club most famously was at that incubator, uh, as well as a number of other interesting startups. So he was working 
in the marketing space and really developing his chops there. And I was continuing down an operational path, but we had also launched a t-shirt subscription company. Uh, this is a decade ago. So prior to subscription commerce being all the rage and had, had a modicum of success there. And so we had just uh, developed a pretty good working rapport and a relationship and kind of uh, admired w- the perspective that the other one came from. He was consulting on marketing projects after his time at Science and was continuing to find a big demand for great marketing on sort of a fractional basis. And so he was consulting, developing great marketing strategy, working with a variety of teams, and then started operating under the banner Hawk Media instead of just being Eric Huberman. And we talked at the end of 2013 about potentially working together. And I was wrapping up the other company that I was running. And in January of 2014, we just decided to uh, see how far we could take this thing. And since then, it's been pretty cool. I'm curious, since you mentioned Dollar Dollar Shave Club, I believe it's the Harmon brothers that are famous for having produced that original video, which went viral. But was Eric involved at all in, in that in the early stages? You know, I don't know that he was part of that original video that got obviously so much um, fanfare and virality, uh, but he was behind the scenes just because of the previous experience with the subscription commerce model. And mm. I, I don't know exactly how deep his tentacles were in that particular mm. business, but I do know that working at Science, he had a yeah. fair fair amount of influence over some of those companies. Yeah, I think it was a billion dollar exit for that, for the Dollar Shave Club, so not, not too shabby. Not um, too shabby. Yeah, oh, they, did, yeah. they did just fine. Now you said they did. Now, um, now you said that we deliberately decided to be a little bit different with Hawk Media. So you know, month to month, rather than long term contracts, um, you know, doing different projects uh, as needed. Talk a little bit about that. Where did that idea come from? Yeah, the genesis was really pretty simple in terms of most entrepreneurial endeavors. Right, you recognize a a failure or an opportunity in the marketplace and the way that you can go about marketing your company is there's essentially three options. You can build an in-house team, um, expensive, takes your eye off the prize, generally become myopic. Uh, you can work with an agency and historically agencies have been more expensive, longer term contracts, a lot of bloat built into that business model. Uh, or you can cobble together some contractors on sort of a project basis. There's pros and cons to each of those, but nobody was really providing killer marketing resources at a high level on a month to month a la carte basis. So you could pick and choose what you needed. And again, our mission statement being to make great marketing accessible to everyone, unless you were a sexy venture backed startup or a fortune 5,000 or somebody like that, getting access to the best agencies and the best marketers was historically pretty difficult. So there was just a really big opportunity and it was really apparent really quickly in our first year, how much of an appetite for that there was in the market. Um, you can also look at the typical, uh, marketing agency. I'm doing air quotes. If anybody's listening, instead of watching this, the, the agency environment isn't very well regarded. Marketers are actually more poorly regarded than used car salesmen or Congress. It's not a, it's not a very highly, um, respected field. And that, I think that's a relief that's to part. me as a, as a recovering lawyer to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, you're way up the list compared to Oh us. yeah, probably. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> there's, um, there's, there's no regulatory agency, right? In the same way, if you're going to go get your taxes done, you got to talk to a CPA or if you want legal representation, somebody needs to be certified in their state and pass a bar and those kinds of things. As a marketer, any jackass with a website can take your money. Uh, so as a consequence of that, there's, 
depending on who you ask or how you do the math, between 20 and 60,000 independent agencies across the country. And there's, there, there's really no assurances that you're going to get anything of quality. And so we saw that as a pretty amazing opportunity to consolidate a fractured market and become you know, the H&R block, if you will, of uh, marketing resources. Obviously, that's a more transactional relationship with tax prep. But, but 25 years ago, there was a tax prep office on every corner. Now it's H&R block. Um, Hawk right. Media's aim is to be that for marketing. Got it. Okay. Now, um, man, 165 employees, 500 clients. That just is insane, especially over a seven-year period to grow like that. So, so take me... Um, uh, explain to me how what your process is like and how it's evolved over the years in order to manage so many projects. Yeah, so in the beginning, it was pretty simple insofar as that we had someone that was good at Facebook, someone that was good at email, someone that was good at paid search, someone that had some history of influencer marketing, and 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 me, I was the 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 first sort of strategist for the company, sitting as the outsourced CMO or second, I guess, behind Eric. Uh, working with all these clients from a marketing perspective. So depending on what people wanted to use us for, if it was all of it, great. If it was one or two things, great. Sort of the you know cheesecake factory menu of services is what it's turned into now. But uh, it was really easy. We got money from the client. We built out a business model that afforded us the ability to pay those people, pay for some marketing, pay for some sales, pay for a little bit of overhead and pocket a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I mean a very small amount at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way, our people were, you know, excited about getting more work. And it, it wasn't a whole lot more challenging than that. When, when it was a couple people in each of those departments as they evolved, and then it became a half a dozen people or a dozen people, and then there's pod leaders and managers. And now that's obviously um, evolved. We have an executive team and a management layer and HR department and finance and all kinds of different stuff. So it's it's definitely taken on a life of its own. But in the beginning, it was fairly simple. You know, sign a client, kick them off, get up and running, which again, the appetite for that was so high in the early days because there was so much just kind of crap uh, built into how you get engaged with an agency. So we found a lot of uh, a lot of willing uh, clients uh, early on because of that. And did you find it challenging to create a consistent project uh, or pro- product at any point? Um, or were you documenting everything to a T from the beginning so that everything was consistent and different people were doing things the same way? Yeah. So another one of those things that we did to ourselves, which is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody. We started off in e-commerce and predominantly in activewear, beauty, fashion, things like that, because that's where we had had some previous success. And then there's a virtuous cycle behind that. So there were some case studies and documented strategies, if you will, for how to make those brands grow. But over time, we started working with B2B and brick and mortar and app installs and everything under the sun that you can think of. And so to this day, we don't necessarily declare ourselves to have a specific industry niche or vertical. So rather than say, here is our blueprint for how you grow, we have a blueprint for how we analyze what the business needs are, where there's holes in the bucket, and then what are the tools and tactics that we have to go fill in each of those holes. Uh, Eric and I describe them in slightly different ways, but it's the same thing. I talk about this hierarchy where the, much like Maslow's hierarchy of needs at the base, you've got to have a website and a brand and a good product or service. And then you need a good mousetrap. And then you need uh, the ability to attract new eyeballs and then 
create third-party validation. The way he describes it is in three pillars where it's awareness, nurturing, and trust. And so we have processes that we apply to every business that as soon as they come through the front door, we look and see where are we missing. Regardless of the channel that they're engaged in, they're probably missing in one or all of those areas. And then depending on the industry vertical and so on, we've got a pretty good idea about how to do that. But the the system, if you will, isn't here's how we grow your business. It's here's how we analyze where there's holes in your business. And then we rely on really smart people to go backfill those holes. Has it been challenging to um, have so many different types of services for the clients? Um, and yeah, very. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, have, have, has it always been that way? Or I imagine it, there has to have been a point along the way where you said, okay, we feel comfortable adding an additional service because there's enough demand. People want us to do it. And how do you know when is the right time? Yeah, that's a great question. So we've always been reactive. So when we started, we didn't really build websites for people, but so many people asked, Hey, can you build us a website? We'd have to send them down the road and that that was fine. There was a referral arrangement with a few folks in town and that, that was okay for a while. But eventually it's like, man, we're leaving a fair amount of money on the table and we could obviously integrate better with, you know, if we're doing brand identity and building out Facebook ads, if we're building the website as well, we can just really own that whole ecosystem in a way that's probably going to drive a better result, uh, make it easier on the client. And so when when we've added on new services, historically, it's been because of demand or because uh, more recently, just in the last few years, it's been opportunistic. If there's a great affiliate agency, we've acquired a, a couple of different agencies over actually three over the last couple of years and rolled them into our org because we saw a, a competency that we didn't have and we wanted to layer that on. But there was already a client base as well to support that to some degree. So where we've made mistakes in the past uh, is when we've gotten over our skis or when we've gotten more proactive about chasing down new markets or new service offerings, when we've been reactive, generally speaking, that's worked out pretty well. Mm. Now, there's there's the process for how you deliver the service, but there's also the process for determining how to structure such a large entity and, and keep everyone kind of rowing in the same direction. You mentioned pods and a management layer and executive team. How have you determined the process for structuring the entire company, the entity itself? Yeah, the, I mean, the good news is we didn't have you know, 165 bodies one day that we had to figure out where to plot in, right? A lot of that growth and a lot of that organization has been fairly organic, just insofar as it's like, wow, there's these five people that are on this team now that I can't really oversee. And one of them has distinguished themselves from their peers. So we should really give that person an opportunity if they want, if they have an appetite for leadership or management. And then we started building out ratios about how many people in each department, depending on the function of that department or the work output, how many of those people warrant having somebody sit atop them and then building that into the economics of the business model so that you can account for a management layer. And then once those teams get so big, of course, someone has to oversee all those managers because then I get bandwidth constrained. Uh, there, there was a point not too long ago, it feels like ancient history now where I was our head of finance and head HR and head of services and head of all these things, which at some point is just un untenable if you want to continue to scale and grow. So it's been pretty organic in that way. We've tweaked over the years. Um, just recently, we've also kind of restructured where certain departments are housed in terms of like the, the hierarchy, if you will, pretty flat organization in general, but certainly have had to reconfigure a few times over the years. 
it's interesting to say that for you to say that it's a flat organization with that many bodies. Yeah, well, we try. I mean, I guess I should say culturally flat uh, more so than hierarchically flat because mm-hmm. there there is, of course, the the org chart, but flat in the sense that, you know, anybody can talk to me or Eric or a department head or a VP from another group. And there's really no, I guess, you know, militaristic autocratic kind of top-down leadership. Yeah. It's very much uh, a nodal network of ideas and pass back. I think the area that we've done really well in, but I also think, of course, I'm our own worst critic. I think we could continue to do better for an organization our size that's as complex as it is. We've done a pretty good job of actually keeping individual contributors from different departments on the same page as other ones. Somebody from Lifecycle who actually knows somebody from paid search that hangs out with somebody from our partnerships team that knows somebody on the client success side. And they're all in a decent enough rapport that they can get on the horn at the same time and be for the most part aligned. I, I, again, I, I still think we could do better there, but because we've fostered that level of like transparent communication and trying to break down silos, that's helped a lot. And do you use, you know, different companies have different meeting cadences um, for your company? Is it just kind of like, as the work comes in, we come in, we, we delegate it, we assign it out. Or do you have like a, a regular rhythm, a meeting rhythm, a process for just doing the work and, and meeting with everyone? So we have uh, lots and lots of processes for each of the individual services, right? As far as when we sign on new clients, we've now, actually, I would say we did this pretty much from Jump Street where the idea was to be able to build infrastructure so that we could onboard clients pretty much 24-7, 365. And there's, again, pros and cons to that. So there's not necessarily like cohorts of, okay, we're going to go send sign 20 clients on, you know, Monday the 20 or whatever that is, the first or second. February is a weird month. But uh, rather than like we're signing clients every single day. So we've had to build a lot of process around, you know, when a client is sold and signed and paid, where does our client success team jump in? How are the service experts uh, assigned by the department managers? How do they coordinate a, an orientation call? How do they get on the horn with the client? Where's the information transfer, whether that's a brief or basic objectives about what the marketing goals are? Definitely have discrete processes for all those things uh, that has has helped us to manage that because it, it is, it's constant. We're, we're constantly adding new business. I think we've signed three or four clients today. Wow. Wow. Little ping notifications or something. Yeah. Bell that goes off. Slack channel. So yeah, we have a, yeah, the, have the a modern virtual, day equivalent, I guess. Yeah. We have a virtual gong because we used to have a gong in the office and now we're not there. So we have a virtual gong in the, in the Slack. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, well, Tony, this has been great. Anything else that anyone listening to this um, should know in terms of, you know, managing an entity of your size and, and keeping the process smoothly working? Yeah, I think making peace with the fact that you're going to mess up a lot of stuff and it will almost never seem like it's working well until you take a step back or you look at where it was a year ago. Uh, for anybody that's fortunate enough to be in the position where your organization has grown to, you know, 25, 50, 100 plus people, you know, that number one is fantastic, good on you. But also the, I don't want to call it, um, imposter syndrome because I don't, I don't suffer from that, but I do constantly nitpick at ways that things could get better. And I think that's why they're getting better, but it's also worthwhile to take a step back and go, yeah, this is objectively better than it was a year ago or 18 months ago or something like that. And just never stop improving, but also give yourself a pat on the back every once in a while. 
And so, uh, Tony, uh, tell everyone where they can learn more about you or connect with you. Yeah, so I'm a hard fella to connect with in the social media <laughs> world, but I'm on LinkedIn, Tony Del Mercado. The website is hawkmedia.com. And I think I'm Tony D on Clubhouse, which I'm not on very often, but when I am, you can look me up. Oh, people are putting out their Clubhouse uh, handles now. So that's, that's, that's the a thing. thing. That's, that's a thing, thing now. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony, thanks so much. You bet. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's my